Hey, Collateral Cinema listeners, Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast, just taking a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. Much like Collateral Cinema, we are a grassroots podcast. We invite bands from all over the world to come in, and we dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. Tonight on The Director's Cut, we grab a couple of drinks, we roll a couple of joints, and we head up north to the trailer park as we check out the Trailer Park Boys movie plus the television series. And we do a random movie review for the all-time comedy classic Wayne's World. So stick around. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And we are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And welcome once again to a little bit of an exploration into a favorite series of ours. Last time we did the Friday the 13th series, but this time we're going into something that's not only a movie series, but also a television series, right, Robert? Oh, yeah, a Netflix original showcase, if you will, right? <laughs> yeah, and this is something that you kind of turned me on to as well. So, yeah, every time we can like get a minute alone, I've always throw on a Trailer Park Boy episode, you know, and it's just like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time you showed it to me. You you actually showed me the very first episode of the entire series. Yeah, we went in the, into the first three episodes, I think. Just, you know, them coming out of jail, you know, and trying to get their lives back together, you know? Yeah, and I really enjoyed the characters that were introduced, namely Julian, Ricky, and Bubbles. I mean, these are some iconic characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the show didn't reach the states till what? Netflix got a hold of it, I'm thinking, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it started on a small upstart Canadian broadcasting company, right? Yeah, and it, I think it started in like 2000, 2001, so. Yeah, it started very early 2000s, and the Quality was very much a mockumentary style. That that that's pretty much yeah. the presentation of this entire series, from the television series all the way up to the movies, and I think even in the animated series, right? Oh yeah, I think animated series is something newer. I've only seen like one or two episodes of that. Yeah, I haven't really seen any of it. So I mean, it looks good. I mean, it looks like it's pretty faithful to the characters, at least. Yeah, we're going to have to start benching that, dude, now that you mentioned it. Yeah. And, I mean, being that this is such a character-driven show, there's also a huge cavalcade of other characters. There's uh, Mr. Leahy and Randy, who are the trailer park supervisor and superintendent or whatever, right? Or, or head of security? Assistant to the assistant. The assistant to the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotcha, bro. I gotcha. And there's also Ricky's family. There's Lucy and uh, what's his daughter's name? Trinity. Trinity. 
And there's Sarah, too. She's been with them since high school. All of them have, you know? Yeah. And, and Trinity's kind of a chip off the old block, right? Trinity. I, I mean, yeah. she, she's pretty much kind of doing her own hustle oh, throughout the yeah. series, right? Yeah, I think she's she has to. I think her father taught her that, you know? Yeah, these guys are petty criminals, but they're never really portrayed in a really negative light that makes them look like just straight up trashy people, you know? I mean, at least I don't think so. I like the characters that much that, I mean, what do they actually do? They don't really kill anybody. They don't really harm people. No, no, bro. All they do is just steal barbecue pits and repaint them. (laughs) Or in Bubbles' case, uh, take a bunch of old shopping shopping carts, carts, repurpose them, and then sell them back to the grocery stores. Get cat food, man. That's all he's doing. Yeah. He's he's living that shed life as well. I mean, yeah, all too familiar. That trailer park life. That trailer park left. Yeah, he doesn't even have a trailer. He has that shed. He's got a shed, dude. Yeah. And doesn't it have, like, running water and electricity and everything? Yeah, like, like, dude, every one of the episodes, it's like, his shed is always different. And there's, like, a toilet and a stove and like, every one of them. I mean, I think they just get better than, like, people just knock them down, you know, or demolish them, you know? Yeah, I, if, if I recall, his shed was kind of uh, pretty much like a wooden beat up piece of shit at yeah, first. Yeah, dude. One of the episodes, Mr. Leahy actually backed into it, dude. It just demolished it. Yeah, he fucked f- it all up, dude. He fucked it up really bad. I mean, it, it's like, what a dick. Yeah, I mean, the cats had nowhere to go, dude. Like, oh, the poor cats. Poor kitties. I mean. Now, there's some interesting traits to the main characters. I mean, you, well, while we were talking about the ancillary characters, there's also Colin and uh, Trevor, right? I think it's uh, oh, okay. It's uh, Corey and Trevor. Corey uh, and Trevor. Okay. And they're pretty much the fall guys for whatever stupid shit freaking the guys do, you know? Yeah, they're pretty much just kind of the local village idiots, I guess you could say. Take the fall. Like, I, I don't know if you saw that episode when they took the fall for the gas stealing dude. It was fucking funny. Dude. I think I did. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, watched that, right? <laughs> that, that's like really early seasons, yeah. right? Yeah, early, early, yeah. Yeah. And then you have Cyrus, who you were introduced to in the very first episode, and he's kind of a recurring character here or there, right? Yeah, he's running around cutting his own hustle to looking like the Fonz with this Corvette. Right? But but he's totally a poser. That's the thing. He, yeah. He's pretty much he's pretty much totally showed up in the very first episode. Yeah, I mean Jillian, like you know, he put him on his ass. Oh, totally. Called him it, out. He, he didn't use his gun. He was afraid to. Everybody knew it, right? Yeah, I, I remember that <laughs> remember moment that, where he straight up just grabs his gun, cocks it, and then says, puts it back up to his head. It's like, do it. Do it already, dude. Do like, it already. I mean, seriously. Jeez. I think, yeah, he took over his trailer, right? When um he was in jail, dude. Like, he just took over his property. Can you just do that? Apparently, he did it fully legally and everything. And did he? And and if I, if I recall, he actually said like, "Hey, you know what? I'm actually just holding it for you. I'll sell it back to you, and you know that's that." Yeah, that's what Mr. Leahy did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, we're talking on, about him. it. Winter auction of the proceeds of crime or whatever happened. Yeah, we just got done watching that. What I forgot what happened. Damn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Damn. We're I just. Mean, Watching reviews, going back and forth, you know. And then, and then finally you have J-Rock and his crew. I mean, J-Rock is just fantastic as far as I'm concerned. He he is hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's a character. <laughs> <laughs> a total 
straight up stereotypical white rapper, but you know, he never gets really grating or annoying or anything like that. He's actually a very likable character, which is kind of the same for quite a few of the characters in this show. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Oh, his buddy with him, Randy, with all them like fifteen cheeseburgers. And oh shit, my dude. god! Yeah, <laughs> and and his gut is pretty much like a recurring uh, joke as well. Oh he's he's just always pushing that gut out, and it's always very bulbous and, and like always in the way and everything. I think there's one point where there's a shot where they're talking to the lady who's the owner of the trailer park, and his gut is just sticking out right there. And right, she's right just like, face. Randy, move away. Yeah. Please you, move dude, away. Yeah, that was funny. That was during a barbecue, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. On the bus, too. I think, yeah, Randy was standing right there. There was a late send down, and his stomach goes right into her face, dude. And doesn't he at one point start kind of whoring himself out for cheeseburger for money? For cheeseburgers. <laughs> God damn. And if I remember correctly, there's one point where Bubbles is just all like, Randy, I'll make you a damn cheeseburger. I'll make you a cheeseburger already, Ben. (laughs) I have meat and I have bread. I'll make you a fucking cheeseburger. It's like, okay. I don't have to whore myself. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's that's fucking Well, I I can only hope that the burgers were vegan, but more than likely they weren't. Remember that Blue Jay burger Mr. Leahy shot down? Oh, no. That was so terrible. Blue Jay burger. Oh, yeah. Leahy goes crazy in this series <laughs> multiple times. Even one point, like, strapping dynamite to his body and, like, coming out with, like, a, a goddamn three fifty seven and a forty five, just pretty much, like, trying to shoot everybody. It's like, goddamn, dude. He just got drunk and went crazy. And it's all on the news and everything. It's it's live on the fucking news. Live. Got all those snipers, dude, everywhere. It's like And they're all fucking pointing their goddamn lasers at everybody. Like even everybody. at Randy at one point. At Randy Leahy and I think there was a, a laser shot on Randy's stomach. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight up. They were straight up training their guns on Randy. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? Who are these cops and who allowed them to do this job? Freaking SWAT team, just I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> firing squad. I think they are. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? And this series ran for twelve seasons and it's still running, right? Yeah, yeah, it's still going. Twelve seasons. I remember like the ones with like Tom Arnold and Snoop Dogg. Dude, it's freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, they have quite a few interesting guest stars on this show. Like, I remember Alex uh, Lifeson of Rush fame is on that episode. That episode is the shit. It is. I love that episode. And then in the end, Bubbles gets to play Limelight with him. That's amazing. That's the dream, dude. Yeah. Freaking even meeting uh, Sebastian Bach, dude. Skid Row. And he just totally kind of goes a little off, right? Oh, yeah. I think they're on the way to go get the Swayze Train Express, dude. Oh, my God. The Swayze Train. It's like, I mean, what is the, what was even the deal with that? Uh, I think Conky took over and made Bubbles take the, the Swayze Express or something. Oh, no. And then they meet Sebastian Bach. They meet up with him, and then they end up selling him like that that good dope and oil or whatever they're growing. Yeah. Yeah, I keep on forgetting about Conky. Conky is pretty much Conky, a character yeah. in his own right. Conky will pop up every now and then, dude. Yeah, he's a straight-up classic ventriloquist dummy. Like, almost kind of like, I mean, I don't know if anybody has really watched the Cinema Snob. He had his little pop at Little Snobby. It's, it's kind of like that, but Bubbles just makes him into this serious fucking dick. It's just, it's just a way for Bubbles to pretty much kind of fuck with Ricky and Julian. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, he does it pretty hard with Ricky. <laughs> really hard with with Ricky. He really leans into it with Ricky. Remember they they're at the dentist office or uh, the veterinarian office, right? And yeah, they, yeah. They, they blew his fucking head off to you. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, Jolene's like, "You're pointing a gun at a fucking puppet, at a puppet, Ricky." Behind it is our friend. <laughs> yeah, going through the doll. He straight up has a gun pulled on on bubbles with, with this fucking puppet right in front of him. Oh my god, man! That is hilarious. Damn, it's true hilarity. And then there's that one episode where J Rock he's uh, trying to release a new CD and he gets kind of called out by some actual gangsters, right? Oh, because he was pirating, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was straight up pirating a bunch of uh, imagery from them or something like that. He calls it cross promotion without letting them know. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's pirating, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he straight up drops the persona for a little bit. He goes to jail. And then uh, he tried to release a new album, right? I think they take pictures of it or whatever. And then he's released. Yeah. And he starts living under his mom's house. I don't, I don't think anybody knows it. Yeah, he's just living there. <laughs> it's like, who fucking thinks of that, man? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yo, man, <laughs> I'm out of jail. I'm pretending I'm in jails, yo. My moms don't even know, yo. He's living here in his fucking house. <laughs> Dude. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Fuck. That's how hot I get. <laughs> but also, I love the backdrop of the trailer park. It's just such a perfect location for all this to be going down. And even though it's Canadian, it doesn't look that far removed from American trailer parks and the drama that goes down there, which, I mean, we live in a little country town. I mean, we, we've seen our fair share of that level of drama, especially coming from so-called trailer park types, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> especially when out here, mostly... In Texas, I mean, every trailer park looks like that off the highway, right? I mean, it, yeah, it does. Yet, I would argue that maybe the people there are a little more. What's the word? I don't want to be insulting. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I treat it like home. I mean, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Like the Flying L trailer park, used to hang around there when I was a kid. <laughs> oh wow, no kidding. Second home. Yeah, I think we, you and I, both have places like that in our past. But I think that that's what makes this show so relatable and so much fun to watch. It's just the relatability of the characters and of the actual uh, setting of the show. And I really relate to Bubbles the most. You know, I mean, hashtag that shed life. <laughs> that Texas shed life. God damn it. Yeah, that that's where we're recording this. We Our studio is a shed, pretty much. So <laughs> if, you, if you didn't know that already. But eventually... This show became so incredibly popular that they eventually made some movies, right? And the very first Trailer Park Boys movie is what we're going to talk about right now. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What does it say? The producers of Animal House and, and Old School. Right? And Old School. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's going to be great. And what's the general plot of that movie? Just even in a general summary. Mostly deals with them pulling one big job called uh, the Big Dirty as soon as they get out of jail. And they rip off change and then try, he tries to marry Lucy. Not, yeah, not just change, like a ginormous like globe full of change from a movie theater. Big old gumball thing full of it. And 
it, it's really great to see all the different criminal schemes in this movie because for the most part, they all fall apart like tremendously. I mean, like the very first thing that we see is them trying to break into a an ATM. And at first, uh, Trevor and Corey, they show up all bumping music and shit, acting all loud and ignorant. And, you know, they, they get their feelings hurt by Ricky and everything. And then while they're trying to open up the ATM and get the die pack out, their car just completely shifts out of gear and just backs into a goddamn tobacco shop. <laughs> they just steal all the cigarettes. They steal all those fucking cigarettes. I mean, Ricky's just like, hey, you might as well. Might as well while we're here. Yeah, yeah. right. And they, they have the whole chopper chasing them, dude, and they try to get away from all that. And then he, he goes out and takes a piss, and the chopper's, like, flinging all this piss in his face, dude. Oh, my God. That's so silly. <laughs> it's like, funny, how the fuck are you going to stop to take a piss in like, the middle of a fucking car chase? I can't cut my piss off. My I don't know, God. It's fucking funny. Yeah. And then that leads to them going to jail for 18 months. Oh, they almost got away with it, right? They almost got away with it, but Julian had to fuck it up. He had to talk. He had... The the police officers convinced that he was a mute. Yeah. It's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, they could have gotten away with that shit, but, you know, Julian just had to do a knee-jerk reaction and answer the cops' questions, and they went to jail. Went to jail. And initially, I mean, they're doing pretty well in jail, actually, for the most part. In, in this series, they, they kind of show their time in jail as kind of being a breeze sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, mostly hockey and then working out for Julian, right? Yeah. Drinking potato vodka. Right? Drinking potato vodka straight up because he, he can't have his trademark uh, rocks glass full of, I, I guess it's like Jack it was, and Coke or or maybe yeah. some type of Canadian whiskey and Coke. Like a rum and Coke thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, it's usually rum and Coke, right? Yeah, I think he's a rum and Coke guy, dude. Yeah, th that, that glass of, uh, of a mixed drink, that's pretty much a character in its own right, right? Like throughout mm -hmm. the series and this movie. Never spills that drink never all. never even even goes into a fucking sewer with that shit doesn't let it go at all i think remember that one episode they're whooping each other's ass because they they thought there was a sasquatch i don't think jillian spilled his drink either dude wow that's insane and eventually the boys ricky and julian they are released from jail and initially they find the trailer park in a completely different state. Yeah. Mr. Leahy's drunk off his ass. Like, what the hell happened, dude? <laughs> I, I thought Leahy was uh, off the booze. Was he? Yeah, or, or am I thinking about something in the actual series? Probably the in the actual series, yeah. Yeah, but he's still a drunk ass, and he, he actually stops them at the beginning of the trailer park. Yeah. He's got a whole toll thing going to see who's drunk. Wow. Who's not drunk. Like, that's not legal, dude. Like, no, it's not. It's totally extrajudicial and it's bullshit. You can't just stop us as we're coming into the park. I mean, yeah, right. And, and it turns out that, you know, everything is different. I mean, Lucy is pretty much living with Sarah and they don't want anything to do with Ricky at all. None of his dirty, petty larceny. Seriously, I mean, they, they pretty much state that the only way that Lucy will be with him is if he's pretty much growing weed again, right? Oh, yeah. Only the best. <laughs> only the best. Only the best. Only yeah. the best for Lucy, right? Remember that one episode where he, like, tried to go to college, so he had everybody convinced he was going, and then he became a janitor. Wow. And, and just, like, selling hash tokens, dude. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And 
in this movie, uh, Julian gets the idea to go after the giant globe of change after he picks up a tip in uh, prison, I believe. Yeah, because uh, one of his buddies told him to, hey, man, it's all about change. I mean, everybody does the big dirty. Don't do that. And he's like, the reason I'm in jail is because of the big dirty. So, holy shit. Go yeah. after change. <laughs> And as we mentioned before, it's this ginormous globe of change. I guess it's like a charity thing that's uh, being held at a movie theater. Yeah. It's like an old gumball machine. Remember those, dude? Yeah. It has to have like thousands of dollars in change yeah, in there. At least, dude. That thing is... And I think I think their intention is to raffle it off or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, charity, dude. And what's the initial scheme that they come up with to rob that globe of change? Oh, man, just come in when everybody's just watching the movie, right? And just secure all the doors, the exits, shop, e shopping carts. E yeah, needless to say, it does not end well at all. Like, I think a fire alarm is pulled at some point. Yeah. Like, totally by accident. Yeah, I mean, the fire alarm, and then everybody comes out, and then they just see them picking up all the change with, like, buckets. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they busted up the glass globe of change, and they had to just, like, get what they could. Oh, my God. What a... F what a foobar right there, right? Oh, man. Just snatch and run. Yeah, <laughs> snatch and run. And all the all the movie theater patrons, they're outside watching them just putting all this shit into the fucking trunk of, of Ricky's car, and then they just drive off. It's like, we know who you are. Those those disguises are like nothing, dude. <laughs> uh, dude that is the funniest shit ever. Oh, it really is, man. And, I mean, they, they for the most part, get away with quite a bit of change. Like, I, I think it's totally filling up Ricky's trunk of his car. That's not for the movies. That's Trinity's college money. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of something completely different. No, it's, okay. it's the same. He just calls it Trinity's college money. Oh. So in case he gets busted. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's my daughter's channel. I'll for college. Yeah. And they end up pulling it off and they throw a party. This, this is after Ricky has confronted Lucy at her new job, which she's working at a gentleman's club. And the, the owner of that club is a total prick, of course. And, and he, he's with Lucy as well. Yeah. I think he paid for some of her things. Oh yeah. I mean, 18 months. I mean, I guess that's a long time. That is a long time, dude. I mean, it's still less than a year, but I mean, some people just kind of need to be kind of taken care of like that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. People need to be taken. I can deal without anybody. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us are better off that way. I don't know. Yeah, but that eventually leads to the party at the trailer park that's thrown by Julian and Bubbles and Ricky, right? Oh, yeah. And... They get drunk, they get stoned, and Lucy and Ricky pretty much reconcile. What was that? Uh, J-Rock's promoting his new album, right, dude? Yeah, that's right. J-Rock is Trailer promoting Park his... Lives. <laughs> yeah, he's promoting his new album, and I think that he does a little concert, right? Yeah. And also, Julian has a girlfriend in this movie. Oh, right? yeah. Which at first... I mean, he doesn't really want to focus on women or anything. He's just like, let's focus on the change. That's what we got to focus on. But he meets this girl. She's Is she a dancer or is she a waitress? Probably both, you know? Yeah. Go yeah. back and forth. And he falls for her, and they end up kind of making out at the party and everything. And then I, I, the, the movie pretty much ends with Lucy and Ricky getting married. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Forgot the end of that movie, dude. <laughs> it's been a long night for us, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we've just been shuffling back and forth. Yeah. Episodes, movies. Yeah, I mean, initially we were going to go into all the movies tonight, but honestly, we just went ahead and watched the first movie and decided to talk about the series a little bit. Uh, Robert, we'll go ahead and wind things down on this particular movie. What's your ultimate thoughts and feelings about this show and about the movie? I like the filming from coming out of the, the show and then, you know, I guess it took a, a new director to make the movie, and a, you know, like a new vision. Yeah, but it, what's it, gr- it was done right, the movie, more quality. But what's what's great about that is that it still has the spirit and the feel of the show. Exactly, dude. Just with the like a, a higher film uh, quality budget, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the film quality is higher, but... I mean, you still have that raw mockumentary style that just lends itself so well to the humor and the setting and the characters. Exactly. You still think you're watching the series. Yeah. It feels very much like the series. Like, there, there's actually, like, total overlap from the the series to this movie. I mean, it, it's pretty much seamless. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But it never really feels like nothing more than an elongated episode. It it still feels like its own self-contained story. Over an hour, each episode is like, what, 30, 40 minutes, dude? 45 minutes at the most, yeah, I think. Yeah, see, I don't care. I'll just let everything play. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a totally bingeable show. Like, oh, yeah. Probably one of the most bingeable shows on Netflix this side of The Office. Probably. Yeah, it's one of the most popular shows, dude. And, I mean, it shows. I mean, this series and this movie, I mean, it's a total joy to watch. Like, all the way through and through. I mean, I honestly can't get enough of it. Like, it's almost like uh, we were watching Hey Arnold recently. And that that's another really bingeable show that, I mean, I can't get enough of. And Trailer Park Boys, to me, it kind of feels the same way in that respect. Hell yeah. Just wait till we... What, Sunny Philadelphia's? I think we got more shows. It's more stuff to binge, dude. Oh, man. Always Sunny in Philadelphia is such a great show. That's uh, so much fun. Another show that went to, like, what, 12 seasons, dude? Yeah, yeah and I think that that series should have a movie. Totally. Oh, why don't they have a movie, dude? It's freaking crazy. Yeah, have them have a movie where they actually make uh, their version of Lethal Weapon. <laughs> like full, five, full, dude. Yeah, they make lethal, lethal Weapon Five, and it's all like professionally produced and everything. <laughs> they actually find somebody to invest in it. Oh man, that's great! Damn. Hell yeah! And yes, that is our discussion on the Trailer Park Boys series and the first movie. There's a lot we didn't really get into here. Of course, you know we're a little more off the cuff on this particular show. So other than that, I mean. I really enjoy shows like this. It's it's what made Adult Swim so watchable back in the day. Kind of just that similar feel of relatability and, you know, also just really awesome characters that in spite of who they are, you just really, really get to know them and you just kind of come to really like them and you, you even start to root for them. I mean, you want them to actually succeed at what they're doing, even though they are clearly breaking the fucking law, but it's like... What laws are they really breaking here? I mean, they're not really doing any any really hardcore crimes that are hurting people. So running over parking meters, collecting change, you know. Yeah, it's all petty shit. You know, nothing too big, dude. 
And in spite of all of that, they're still good people with their own foibles. And I mean, I just can't help but get into them. Oh, yeah. Love the show. If you haven't seen it, watch it, please. Yeah. I mean, watch it. It's still on Netflix, right? It's pretty much perpetually on Netflix. Yeah. You, you can find all the movies. You can find the animated series. The whole show's on there. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. Like, watch it immediately, ladies and gentlemen. Like, right after this. Like, just go watch it. Watch it now. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to have a random movie review on the very first Wayne's World movie. So stick around. Party time. Excellent. We'll see you here in a few. pressure that whore blows and we all look like those blue bald-headed decks that beat the drums got it i'm surprised this is going really well boys I'm leaving without you. Julie, I'm taking a couple cards of cigarettes. Big deal. There's a couple of cartons of smokes, eh, Ricky? Bubbles, they were free. I couldn't leave them there. I think we're okay, boys. Boys, there's something flying behind us right now. It looks just like a police helicopter. behind us. What do we do? Fuck, I got pissed, Julie. I've got visual contact heading to East Highway 7. Julie, you gotta pull over, man. I gotta piss. Ricky, we're being pursued by the cops. No, not gonna happen. I can't hold it. Sorry, Julie, but I am not gonna piss myself, man. Out of the car, Bubbles. Come on, you gotta go. I'm not going anywhere without you guys. You gotta get busted, Bubbles. Come on! And we are back with our random movie review. And... We are diving into an all-time Saturday Night Live comedy classic from the 90s. We are talking about Wayne's World, man. And no, we're not going to sing the Wayne's World theme song. <laughs> no. I mean, we could, but we just sound like total idiots. So. People that are not worthy, you know, pretty much. Not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not, we're worthy. not worthy. Man, this movie is one of those comfort food movies for me, you know? I mean, it just takes me back to a specific time and a specific place when I was like maybe, I think I was maybe about 13 at the time that this movie came out. Whoa. I was either in my, you know, pre-teens or early teens there. Oh, yeah. And I remember first watching this movie as a rental, actually. It, we rented it from Blockbuster, I believe. And, I mean, I really, really like the humor of this movie. It, it's actually a very 
kind of cutting satire, right? Oh, yeah. I remember borrowing this movie from my neighbor, dude. I could get enough of it, dude. Yeah, it's very watchable. And, and the satirical elements, I mean, it kind of comes out with a lot of the text that shows up and also the whole conceit about uh, Wayne actually looking into a camera and narrating. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a device that's used throughout the movie that for some reason, it, it doesn't get old for me. No, it doesn't. Even going on a part two, he's still doing it, you know? Yeah. And even all the way to the ending of this movie, I mean, it still kind of continues with that and even plays into how the movie ends. And Wayne and Garth, they they have what is essentially a proto-YouTube show. I mean, if this movie was made today or this uh, sketch was made on Saturday Night Live today, it would totally be a YouTube show. 100%. And I mean, it has a lot of those production qualities to it that you see on, especially on a lot of early 2010s YouTube. So, I mean, in many ways, YouTube is kind of the public access network of the internet. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can even find stuff from public access TV on YouTube if you look hard enough. And in this movie, they're pretty successful at it on their own. Until a producer played by Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Got to Rob Lowe everything up. Yeah, yeah. He's got to come in and do his Rob Lowiest to <laughs> to get even more Rob Lowe than anybody else. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, remember him in Super Troopers? Oh, yeah. Super Troopers 2, the I should say. second one, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Man. He, he played the perfect Canadian, honestly. But in this movie, he plays a skeevy television producer and also, I guess, music video producer. Yeah, where'd that come in? Just making it up as it goes along? Yeah. yeah. He hears about Wayne's world. This is like the very first thing you see in the movie is how he actually comes across Wayne's world. It's while sleeping with a, a random woman. And he ends up offering them a show on TV that's actually sponsored by this arcade conglomerate. And the uh, the the boss of that arcade or the CEO, he's actually really hilarious. I Noah's think. arcade. Noah's arcade, and he he makes an appearance on the new polished up, heavily produced version of of Wayne's World for television, and Wayne just totally. He's not going along with the whole, you know, TV production cycle. No, everybody's used to the the basement, you know? Yeah, they're used to kind of having their own say in what happens with their show. I mean, they, they had full creative control when they were just broadcasting on public access TV. Yeah, I think they were just going off the cuff and tangents and not focused on a script, really. Yeah, and in many ways, it kind of shows something that's a little prophetic. Like we said, it, it would be a YouTube show if something like that was made today. And also, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of an analog to podcasting there. Yeah. It's, to it's total podcasting as well. In many ways, what we're doing right now kind of follows that same kind of format in everything. So, except we're, we're not on YouTube, of course. We're not putting out videos yet. 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 Somebody's fault in that department. Yeah, we, we Robert. Don't, we don't even have that department yet. No, we don't have a department, and so, I mean, there's <laughs> nobody who's really at fault, so, so yeah. yeah. Ash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Anywho, Wayne eventually meets the lead singer of a band called, what's it called? Crucial, crucial Time. Crucial, Crucial Time? I think it's Crucial Taunt. Or is it Crucial, crucial Taunt? Crucial yeah. Taunt, Crucial Yeah, it's time. Crucial Taunt, and... 
it's kind of funny to me that this is the movie's idea of a badass rock band. It's it's pretty much just a pop band. Just a bunch of covers, dude, that yeah, we heard it's, before. Yeah, it's all covers. The, the main thing that actually gets her the record deal later on in the movie is fucking a cover of Ballroom Blitz, of all things. Hey, what's funny is, like, the second one, Christopher Walken is, like, a music producer, and he's trying to lay with her, too, right? Yeah, and, and by the way, this is Asia Carrera that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, she's she was a prominent uh, Asian-American actress, and... You know, it's too bad she didn't get more roles after this because I think that she was just fine. Remember that Tales from the Crypt episode? Yeah, she was also in Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. What, what episode was it? It was the one that... What was that a rock band episode? With oh, it was. Yeah, that's right. Tattoo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the girlfriend. Yeah. Tattoo lady. The the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Oh, my God. That is an all-time classic episode. But anyway, I mean, she's really, really fun in this movie, and she actually does have some chemistry with Michael Myers. So, <laughs> what? Did you say Michael Myers? Mike Myers? Michael Myers? Same thing, dude. He's it's, a Michael Myers, bro. What are you talking you about? It's the same name. Oh, the my Halloween God. The guy or the Austin Powers, dude? <laughs> I, I think Robot Chicken made a joke about that at one time. So. Yeah, you heard that in Baby Driver, too. It's like... Oh, my God. Told you to get the Halloween mask from Halloween. Michael Myers. Instead, he got Austin Powers, right? Three Austin Powers masks. Oh, my God. Freaking Mike Myers. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, they have great chemistry. And also, there's a few cameos in this, right? Namely, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. We see Chris Farley for a second, man. We should have had more time, dude. Oh, man, that's so tragic. I mean, when you bring up Chris Farley, I mean, my heart breaks. I mean, he he was a funny, funny person and actor and everything, and he had such a long career ahead of him. Oh, yeah, man. And him doing little roles in these Saturday Night Live movies is really what kind of got him the roles in Tommy Boy and eventually Black Sheep. Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, man. Yeah, Beverly Hills Ninja. That's a classic. He's with uh, Elias Codius, right? The or, guy from uh, Mortal Kombat. No, that, that's from Robert, Robert Show. No, huh. it's not. We'll, we'll figure that out some other time. <laughs> anyway, this leads to a little bit of conflict, you know? I mean, I mean, this leads to some interesting developments later on, especially between uh, Asia Carrera's character and Rob Lowe's character. I mean, Rob Lowe just pretty much starts straight up going for her, right? Like, not even giving a fuck. Oh, he don't care. Whatever. Oh, no, no. He, he doesn't uh, respect that boundary at all. Oh, but he's got books all over his apartment. And- yeah, that's a funny scene whenever they go over to have dinner at his home and Dana Carvey as Garth, he's just pointing out like this is a total ladies man pad like if i if i had a girlfriend like i wouldn't bring her here no i wouldn't bring her here no (laughs) i wouldn't bring her here this is total lady slaying sexual babe layer yeah (laughs) the ending is very memorable to me because it kind of kind of plays merry hell with it especially with the whole uh narrative angle that's what actually comes back to kind of Kind of make for a couple of false endings, right? Yeah. Was that Scooby-Doo ending? Dude, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, there was a Scooby-Doo ending. I mean, and then there was like the another false ending, and then they showed what really happened. 
Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the lead, the build up to all of this is they're trying to get uh, Asia Carrera's band to get a record deal and they they hijack some broadcasting equipment and they stream it directly to this uh, one record executive. Oh and, yeah. And once again she's playing Blitzkrieg Bop, which is like Wow, that's all it takes to get a fucking record deal back in the 90s was just, you know, just go up there and play Blitzkrieg Bop. I mean, why the fuck not, right? Why not? Freaky Sharp, Sharp Records. <laughs> dude, I, th- I think it was funny when uh, Robert Patrick came out, like the T-1000 dude. That was the <laughs> best thing ever. He's like, have you seen this boy? And he's like, oh! Have you and seen just- John Connor? Yeah. Was it was that a picture of Eddie Furlong? It was, right? I think it was. It, it was straight up practically the same fucking It photograph. looked like him, dude, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's just hilarious. But of course, we can't talk about this movie without one of the all-time classic and iconic scenes from the movie, which is the ride in the Mirthmobile where they listen to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, oh, yeah. this is something that's been parodied quite a few times, right? Oh, yeah, dude. Over and over again, right? Yeah. Dozens of times. And, I mean, you can't help but just kind of get caught up in how infectious that scene is, you know? I mean, because it's, it's totally just a bunch of guys going out, having a drive just for the fuck of it, and they're just jamming their favorite band. And it, it, there's something really genuine about it. And, and honestly, what sells it is uh, Dana Carvey and Michael Myers' performances here. I mean, Michael Myers is Wayne. He is just so you know, fun loving and he's just kind of optimistic about everything. Right. Oh yeah. Just looking towards the future. I mean, he's a young guy and the show's like, yeah, pretty much on its way up, you know, but I mean, he actually cares about what happens to his show. He cares about the people around him. I mean, and, and he also really, really cares about his girlfriend, which leads to the main conflict of the movie. And also, I mean, it's funny that we bring up Mike Myers and Dana Carvey here because both of them, they had some pretty okay careers up to a certain point. Of course, Dana Carvey did what is the greatest movie of all time. No, it is the movie that (laughs) gives me hatred that burns like the death of a thousand sons. Should not be named. I'm Mas- afraid that it's going to show up in my hand again. Should not like be that named. one time. Master of Disguise should not ever ah, here. Why? You don't say that name in this podcast. This, this, no, that that is verboten. I don't even know if I ever want to go back to that episode. It's it's traumatizing. And of course, Mike Myers, he had his career-ending movie with The Love Guru, which oh my god, that movie is just cringe, cringe all the way through. All the the insensitive stereotypes, you know, all the fucking dumb fart jokes and sex jokes and shit. It's the sexual it, innuendos just over and over again. Yeah, it, it's a very played out movie. And I mean, neither movie did anything to really advance either actor's careers. Oh. They probably don't have jobs anymore, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Michael Myers was in Inglorious Bastards very briefly, right? For a, like a, a part, right? Yeah. It's like almost like a blink and you'll miss it kind of part. Yeah. You wouldn't have known it was Mike Myers, yeah. And Dana Carvey, oh, I'm so disappointed in him. So disappointed. Very yeah. disappointed. Steve Carell had to pick it up, dude. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Had to. Good for Steve Carell, though. Good for him, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, Robert, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Oh, 
one of the greatest movies of all time growing up as a kid because I think it was like three or four years old watching this over and over again, dude. And oh, man. And what's great about that is, I mean, it's accessible enough for kids to sit down and watch it. But I mean, it still felt very mature when you were watching it, right? Yeah, it was just a silly uh, Saturday Night Live, dude. Like, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually felt like you were watching, you know, the big kid shows. For once. Of course, Dan Aykroyd and did all that, you know, Belushi. Oh, yeah, Aykroyd, Belushi, did, Martin, all of them. Yeah, they did all the original Saturday Night Live skits. Yeah, I love this movie as well. I mean, I, I actually think that the sequel is just as good. It is. You got to see more of uh, Chris Farley's character as a roadie. Remember that, dude? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He kind of went up a notch in what role he had. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, Wayne's World is an all-time classic. If you haven't seen it already, go ahead and watch it. And I guess, I mean, should we rate that movie? I mean, I don't want to just give it a five out of five because, I mean, it has aged quite a bit. I'd say it's at least a three out of five. 3.5 out of five for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it is definitely aged a little bit, but it's still a lot of fun. I mean, it will bring you straight back to the 90s. And I mean, don't we all just want or need that right now? Yeah, man. Just go back to the 90s anytime you can, dude. Yeah, no kidding. But we'll go ahead and wrap things up. You can find Collateral Cinema and Collateral Cinema Director's Cut on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. You can find us on all kinds of podcasting apps, namely Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Chill Lover Radio, iHeart Radio, and like we said, wherever else you can get your podcasts. And also find us on Patreon. We have full-length film commentaries there. Our tiers start at $1. And also be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Podchaser. So check us out there. And Robert, do you have anything else to add? Oh, not at this moment. All righty. Then I guess we're going to call it a show. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And this was Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. Check y'all laters. Peace.
Collateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.